I don't know who said this. Thanksgiving is nothing if not a glad and reverent lifting of the heart to God in honor and praise for His goodness. Sounds pretty spot on to me. Epictetus said, He is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. There's a woman, her name's at the bottom of my list, who uh, wrote something I'd like to share with you. They lived in a comfortable life. They lived a comfortable life in an upscale part of town. The children were, pre, were teenagers and preteens, and they had almost anything their hearts desired. They had begun to recite their Christmas expectations of late, never doubting that their every wish would be fulfilled. The woman began to notice a jaded air they had about things that they'd owned and the lifestyle they'd lived. Her thoughts turned to earlier years, years when they lived far from the lap of comfort. As she watched her children go off to school that morning, her thoughts rushed ahead to the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. Off they would all go to the mansion where close relatives lived in luxury, where every comfort and convenience abounded. The woman thought back to her childhood, and she remembered bare Thanksgiving days. There was food, but there was sometimes the house was cold. The clothing old and tattered always, though there were smiles and hugs, no jaded looks or boredom like she now saw in the eyes of her children. The following week on Thanksgiving morning, the children rose and dressed for the festive occasion. They presented themselves for the ride to the mansion, already anticipating the smell of the roasting turkey, the pumpkin pie, and other holiday treats. Every year it was a contest to outdo the previous one with every possible treat served underneath a crystal chandelier on the finest china. And every year they would proclaim, this was our best Thanksgiving yet. The woman turned the car in the other direction. And eyebrows raised and the children began to question why their feast was being delayed. Across town she pulled the car into the local mission house parking lot and took the children inside explaining they would share this Thanksgiving dinner with those less fortunate than themselves. Making her way back to the kitchen area of the building, she removed her many diamonds and bangles, washed her hands, and began deboning turkey with the other ladies who stared clearly shocked at her presence. Her very surprised children were directed to help serve some of the plates to the hungry waiting in the dining area. At first, the children were subdued, not understanding why they were not being allowed to enjoy their normal feast with their own family. And all throughout the meal, though they worked side by side, the woman helping with the food preparation, the children serving. And by the time the two hours had passed, the children's faces bore looks akin to awe. It was as though a light had come on in their spirits. Suddenly their understanding was enlightened, and they knew. As they returned again and again to the kitchen area to fill more plates of food for the hungry they were serving, they began to relate stories. Stories about those who were down on their luck. Stories that they told, that they served told of hope having lost it all. Stories of being homeless, jobless, with no hope. Stories of hope filled words they had begun to speak to those who had so much less but appreciated it so much more. As they left hours later to return to their home and having eaten their Thanksgiving meal on paper plates with those who had so little, 
The woman smiled at the change she saw. They came, they served, they saw, and now they understood. They understood just how blessed their lives really were and how much they really had to be thankful for. The best was yet to come, however, as one of them looked at her mother and said, I think this was the best Thanksgiving yet, Mom. Let us remember that as much has been given to us, much will be expected from us, and that true homage comes from the heart as well as from the lips and shows itself in deeds, said Theodore Roosevelt. Glenda Lomax was the author of this story. I don't know if it was true or if she was just writing a novel. I kind of think it was true. It just has a ring of truth in it. We can say a lot about various things, about appreciation. And Boskamp wrote, Thanksgiving, give, giving, Thanksgiving thanks in everything prepares the way that God might show us His fullest salvation in Christ. Another, Craig Lounsbro, said, Thankfulness is a lethal weapon of an unimaginable power because it allows us to rise far beyond above all the dark and manacle forces that assail us and in refusing to lower ourselves to the squalid terrain from which these forces have launched their own sordid attacks. They are doomed to surrender, not because we outwitted them in battle, but because we stole the battle. When you're thankful, you take a lot, and you show your appreciation to God. Thanksgiving is indeed a time to be helpful. And sadly, there are many people who aren't really thankful. They believe they, that they deserve what they have and what they don't have. There are others, though, who are thankful. They're very quiet and discreet about it. And then there are others that are so thankful they just can't hardly contain themselves. Composer Joseph Aden was criticized because his church music was too gleeful, too cheerful. And to his critics he replied, I cannot help it. I give forth what is in me. When I think of the divine being, my heart is so full of joy that notes fly off from a spindle. As I have a cheerful heart, he will pardon me if I serve him cheerfully. You know, there are people so excited about their blessings that they can hardly contain themselves. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He wrote that phrase several times in the letters that he wrote to the church. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this Thursday will be, again, as we know, Thanksgiving Thursday. It's okay to watch a football game. It's okay to root for your team. But keep in mind, it takes, as Irma Bombeck said, it takes about 18 hours to prepare the meal. It takes maybe 12 minutes to eat it, which is coincidentally the length of a halftime game. Halftime in football. Uh, I don't know what your plans are, but... We need to observe Thanksgiving in the true spirit in which it is based on. Our settlers in the early days of 1621 at Plymouth Colony celebrated Thanksgiving. They came to establish a new country, establish a nation built on Christian principles. And as they barely made it through that first year, they were very thankful to get as far as they did. In Deuteronomy chapter 26... God spoke about Thanksgiving. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
verses 1 through 11. They were going to go into the promised land. And Moses writes, when you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance, and you have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all of the ground, which is your harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall put it in a basket. You shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from the hand and shall set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make a response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there. A few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty, populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. The Lord heard our voice, saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With, greed, with, deeds, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought, out, he brought us into the place and gave us this land, flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given to me. And you, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given you and to your house and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. This, I would suggest, is a lesson on deliverance and what, how one responds in deliverance. Verses 5 through 9 goes over their history, their affliction, how they started out small, became a great nation, how in Egypt they were treated harshly, but that God brought them out and he was giving them a place flowing with milk and honey. So they would thank their forefathers, thank God for delivering their forefathers from slavery, taking them to the promised land, and the offering was a gift of gratitude to God. A gift of gratitude. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 17, in Luke chapter 17, verses 12 through 9, Jesus met ten lepers. He was on the way to Jerusalem, Luke tells us, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Life as a leper was hard. They had to live outside the city. And as we learned last Sunday night from Ray Van Later, yeah, they probably lived close to the dump. Maybe they could find something of value at the dump that had been poor thrown out by somebody who had way too much or that maybe somebody was just less thankful for because it was hard to be a leper nobody wanted anything to do with you but Jesus as they saw him knew something about him by this time saw him at a distance and cried out have mercy on us 
And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. He hadn't cleansed them yet. He just said, Go show yourself to the priests. I find that rather interesting. But that's what they would do when one was cleansed. They would show themselves to the priest so that the priest could pronounce them clean. So they could make the appropriate sacrifice to God for their cleanliness, for being cleaned. And as they went, they were cleansed. So he says, go show yourself to the priest. And it wasn't until they started that journey, because Jesus had commanded them, that they realized they're clean. And when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, fell on his face, it fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said, Rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. I can only think of a couple of things here. This Samaritan realized he was cleansed. And he was so overjoyed, he has to return to Jesus, whom he had cried out for with the others, have mercy on us. I don't know if his voice was the loudest or the quietest. But as they turned to go to the priest, they realized they were cleansed. And it was almost like maybe the other nines felt, I deserve this. This man said, I'm going to Jesus, who I just asked to have mercy on me, to tell him thank you. Jesus wonders why the other nine didn't. He makes a point to tell us, Luke does, that this man was a Samaritan. He was not only a leper, but he was a Samaritan, and Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Now, they all had a common problem, apparently, because they all had leprosy. This man comes back to tell God thanks. They were isolated from society. As they walked, they would have to call out unclean, unclean. And no longer would he have to do that. He had been cleansed. He was grateful. God has granted us deliverance from slavery many times. Healing in the time of sickness. Grief in times of bereavement. Poverty by giving us jobs, health, turn a living. But most of all, he's given us freedom from sin and death through Christ. So, we don't want to forget to thank him for all the troubles that we don't have. And to thank him for the deliverance that he has given to us. But not only was there this thankfulness on the part of the Samaritan. As we look at, again, in Deuteronomy... When they went into the promised land and they offered these gifts to God, in one sense they were recognizing their dependence on God. I grew on this land that you've given me. And so in the giving of the first fruits, what they're saying is, I depend on you for my harvest. They would take a tithe of that first little bit, because that was the first. Maybe it was the best. They would give it to God to thank Him. Because they had so much more. In Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, verse 6.
Jesus, it says, when the disciples reached the other side, they'd gone out into a boat. They had forgotten to bring any bread. Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Why are you so concerned about bread? He's going to tell them in this conversation with them, don't you remember? Don't you remember anything, guys? Anyway, he says, do you not remember the 5,000 the five loaves for the 5,000 how many baskets you had gathered or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered how is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread you know Jesus was telling them we know not to listen to the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees their leaven because it was a corrupting influence but he's also reminding them if you will Don't you know that you can depend on me? Think of higher things. Think of more spiritual things. And so we need to be reminded at times to depend, that we must depend on God for all of our needs. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has talked to those, and he tells them, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. I personally believe he was talking to the wealthy who were maybe guilty of trusting in all their accumulated wealth. And then in verse 25, he turns maybe to his attention to those who maybe don't have as much and are anxious because they don't have as much. He says, don't be anxious about your life, about what you, will, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor eat nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the fields. They grow, they neither toil nor spin, and I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's going to take care of us. I kind of think that maybe those girls in that earlier story that I read, man, they were so caught up in the things that they had that come as a right. It was something that was theirs. They go off to a mansion and have a fancy meal. And they forgot how blessed they were. We have to, less, to recognize that we depend on God for all that we have. But then back over to, second, or to Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 11. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given you and to your house, and the Levite, and the sojourner who is among you. 
So we pause. We think about the good things that God has given to us, to our families. And the psalmist would say in the ninth psalm, in verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. I wonder if Hayden wasn't thinking about something like that when he wrote his music. That was too cheerful. What's... What music that we have in the church should not be cheerful. I guess there should be some things that might be a little more sobering to remind us that this world is not our home, but that God is still with us. But we praise God with all of our heart, telling all of His wonders, rejoicing and be glad, singing His praise. Three parables in Luke chapter 15, very familiar with them, they show rejoicing. A man had a hundred sheep. When he tries to bring them all in, one's missing. Now he's frantic. He's responsible for that sheep. Either he's the one who's hired to take care of the sheep as a shepherd, and he's going to have to pay for it because he lost it, or else it's his sheep and he's lost it. It means a loss of some of his income for his family. So he goes out and searches for it. And what does he do when he finds it? He comes back and he's rejoicing and he wants people to celebrate with him because that which was lost is found. And then there's a woman who lost a coin. Eh, What's a coin? Well, this represented not only great value, but some sentimental value. Maybe it was given to her by her family so that she would never have need. That it always has something. But it was of great value. Now she's lost it. A 10% loss in what she has. A value. And so she searches high and low in her house, moves everything around, sweeps carefully, and she finds it. And she calls her friends and neighbors to celebrate with her because that which is lost is found. And then there's the prodigal son. Two boys. One of them gets in his dad's face and says, Give me my share of the inheritance right now. I don't want to wait for it. Then he takes it. His dad's generous, gives it to him, says, Okay, you're on your own. I don't think this is the smartest thing to do. But he lets him do it. Because his heart wasn't with his dad after all at that point in time. He goes off. And he loses it all. He blows it in the lifestyle that he has. You have a lot of friends if you have a lot of money and you're willing to shower them with gifts and celebrations and parties. But when the card comes back declined, what are your friends going to do? They're going to abandon you. And now what do you do? You're in trouble. Well, this man hired himself out in the midst of a famine to a Gentile to take care of pigs and he wanted to eat their food so he came to himself his father restores him has a party you know I kind of think of that as the uh, fellowship offering you know that God has with us when we when the Jews of their day when fellowship was restored with God and God said I want you to have a seat at my table you're going to share in this with me This father did that for his son. His other son, who didn't leave, complained and cried and whined. But in verse 32 he said, Son, we had to celebrate. 
Your brother who was lost has returned home. That which is lost is found. We had to celebrate. Join in us in the celebration. Celebration is made necessary by the blessings that are given to us. We sing that song, and in hindsight, I should have asked Brian to lead it, count your many blessings. You know, when you start counting the blessings that you have, you'll see that you have far more blessings than you have things that are problems. God expects us to rejoice in His goodness every day. He gives us so much to be thankful for. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God's blessings come to us to make us happy, to take care of us, and so we rejoice in all the good things that He sends us. Well... When the Jewish worshipers came to offer their first fruit offerings, they came to remember their deliverance. They came to recognize their dependence on God and to rejoice together because of God's love and His blessings. And that's probably good for us as well. To remember that we've been delivered. That we recognize our dependence upon God. And that we rejoice because God is good and has loved us so much and blesses us so much. It's so easy to get caught up in all of life and forget how blessed we truly are. But this day and every day, may our thanksgiving, our thankfulness, may we freely express it. Not just on Thursday. When, if you listen to talk radio, you know, don't talk about certain things when your family gets together or there will be a fight. And forget those things. Think about God's blessings instead. As Christians, we have many, many reasons to be thankful. In Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 1, or chapter 16. Yep, I thought I had it marked. Chapter 16, David starts out his song of thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all of His wondrous works. Get glory in His holy name. Let the the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. We have so much to be thankful for. I don't know where you are in your walk with God, but you do. God does. And at this time, if you have any need to respond to the invitation of God, won't you please come to Him all together and stand in while we sing?